Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fort's Comic News, episode 344. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my coaster, Mike. Hello. What's going on, Mike? Hello. Nothing. Uh, just hanging out, talking comics. Um, Where there were some dinosaurs involved with our conversation. Dinosaurs in our comics. It's always a good thing to have dinos in your comics. It is. Um, I haven't. I and speaking of dinosaurs, I haven't bought magic cards in a while. But I know the new set is dinosaur based, so that's always exciting. You is know? it that Jurassic Park set? No, it's called like I forget what the I forget what the name of the the land or the world they're going to, but no. it's like dinosaur based. One of the planes. I don't know. Someone, someone I work with is telling me, and I'm like, damn. Speaking of which, yeah, I'm gonna need to employ your expertise sometime next year in this mm. because apparently mm-hmm. there's a secret what do they call it secret layers yeah set? secret layers yep yep that's seinfeld based oh coming out next year and if this is true and i just get like punked on the internet which is yeah. very possible then i need it <laughs> so i'll tell everybody what secret layers is secret layers was a cash grab from hold on but before i get there everybody we do have an interview today <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can always do the interviews at the front of the show. We choose not to because this is just how we do it now. Uh, we we get you we get you roped in, and then we tell you about it. Uh, Evan Carruthers is on the show today. We're going to talk talks T O X X Volume One on Kickstarter. Um, awesome book, very cool book. Yes, but anyways, back to Secret Layers. Uh, this is something that's like separate from the MTG Magic the Gathering franchise. A lot of a lot of the times focused on the Hasbro uh, Hasbro properties. So what they do is they release a set of like five cards that are pretty like much staples or like popular cards in the in the play set of Magic, and they do spins on them. A lot of the times they are doing different artists. They're doing like cartoon art. So I have some like cool cartoon ones. They um, did a really cool one with the guy who did the artwork for the um, Metal Gear Solid. Yep, uh, box art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did one with uh, uh, Fiona Staples from Saga. So there's yes. some comic book there. Uh, her, hers are really good. And I have like the ones I have were like a metal poster set that are like they look like crazy metal posters. But they're um, and then the newest set I've purchased because I, I I had stopped buying magic cards for years and they came out with a Evil Dead set. Yes. I, I don't know if I, I told you about that one, but there's an Evil Dead set out there. So that's coming out in March. You pre-order it and then you get sent the cards um they do a foil and non-foil set i always get the shiny ones uh i would not be surprised if a seinfeld one is coming out uh we we're they're doing a my little pony they're doing uh they've done transformers they've done a lot of different stuff um and i think they've done like dungeons and dragons uh but yeah it's just a thing they do they can charge you 50 to 60 bucks for five cards so they do it <laughs> hold up yeah, Chris is Chris has gone down the rabbit hole, folks. No, I I found oh. a in the Reddit Magic TC R slash Magic TCG. Yep, yep, that's where I frequent sometimes. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen this headline, but uh, Jerry Seinfeld played Magic, and there is a picture uh-huh. of his desk in Seinfeld with a box of Magic cards. Really? Yeah. Like I here, I'm going to send you this link right now. This is what we're talking about, everybody. So this is back in the back in the <laughs> an early episode. They like found that. 
that's uh, hilarious. I just sent you the link. So yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he does have a yeah. That's a box of magic next to his computer stuff. Wow. How do they notice that shit? That's crazy. Well, there is the. I mean, there's the thing of the Superman reference in like every episode, right? Or like the comic book reference in Seinfeld. I think it's almost yeah. every episode they talk about Superman at some point or make like a reference to Superman. So one of the one of the comments says this is a uh, this is a Windows 95 Duels of the Planeswalker game. Wizard of the Code's first attempts at computerizing magic. Wow. Did not know that. Okay, anyway. now to go back to Uh, okay, I'll look yeah. it up later, but I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it somewhere. I remember like sending it to a friend of mine who also plays magic and being like, confirm this for me, please, because yeah. if so I need both the shiny and the non shiny. Yep. And then I need to find a way to frame them because they're never gonna get played. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, with my, I have the I have all the Godzilla ones and I'm just going to frame them uh, until they sell for a lot of money. Same thing with the evil dead ones. I'll probably put them in a frame because I, I won't play those cards, but. Um, yeah. They they really know how to get money out of people, and they've they've done crazy properties. So I I do not doubt that there will be a Seinfeld set. Well, I mean, yeah, because I just I put up all my Seinfeld uh, memorabilia like over the summer. Yeah, so my bedroom is just Seinfeld centric. Yep. Um, and I just ordered. So do you know those little people toys they make? Yeah, I've seen those. Mm -hmm. So now they're, that's another thing that's just like, oh, let's get licenses and do something with it. So, like, I could get, like, the Philadelphia Eagles little people. And right. you can get, like, all these different IPs. And, of course, they got Seinfeld as well. So yep. coming in the mail soon is Seinfeld little people. <laughs> That's amazing. They also yeah. do Golden Girls, everybody, which is not. I, I know they've done show. like Friends and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of crazy ones. And I uh, found out somebody made a Fusilli Jerry action figure. Oh, really? That you can actually buy. Yeah, so I got to find that. Like, yeah. And the, the little people are done by Mattel. Yeah, they have like Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, what is this one? Avatar: The Last Airbender. Suicide Squad, and I've never seen that one. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Oh my god, they have them for everything. You're right. Dear God, like E.T., Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's, oh. it's insane. Okay, but we're living in a golden age. I mean, in a golden age of Seinfeld merch, particularly. Yeah. I mean, right. dude, I was in the store a few months ago. And you know, everything. Yeah. You know Drake's coffee cake. Yes. For a while there, I haven't looked in the past month or so, but for a while. On the Drake's coffee cake box at Dollar General, it said, as seen in Seinfeld. What? It's 2023, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that box hasn't been sitting there since the early 90s. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to the dollar store to buy coffee cake. <laughs> I don't know about that. It is Dollar General. I'll give you yeah. that. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't like side. I think ever since they put it on Netflix or the last couple of years, it's like coming back. Full oh screen. yeah, it's. I mean, Seinfeld's huge, and it still holds up. I mean the the jokes are still relevant. People have the same issues they have then that they do now. Yeah, I was I was actually things. shocked when it like when it came to Netflix and people started talking about it again. 
Yeah. I've, I've, I have the DVDs. I watch it all the time. It's like yeah. it's comfort food for me. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that people would consider air quotes here problematic nowadays in that show. And I was surprised that there wasn't like a backlash against it. Like we need to ban this episode from uh, yeah. Netflix or something like that. I think it's I, I think I, it's this. Yeah. And I know Jerry Seinfeld has always like done the clean humor thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just they go about it in such a like and the I think it's just the characters are just so ridiculous on that. Show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one yeah. of my favorite jokes that uh, uh, George says when Jerry buys the new coat. Yeah. And he's just like, listen, I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. It's so good. It is so good. I, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't want to. I'm gonna this watch is just Seinfeld. a Seinfeld podcast now. Yeah. We're going to rewatch all Seinfeld and do commentary yeah. on them moving forward. Fuck there these comic go. creator. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, just kidding. We need the comic creators to come on still. <laughs> We do, and the interview is still here. We haven't, we haven't just talked about Seinfeld for the rest of the show, but we could. Yeah, um, yeah. It's either that or like '60s Batman is what I watch every night, pretty much. Throw that on TV in the background. Yeah, that's that's due for a rewatch. That's, yeah, it's very due. Speaking of TV, Chris, uh, this week Marvel Studios released details and a trailer for the second season of What If? Dot 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 question mark. The new season will launch on Disney Plus on December 22nd, fairly soon, and the episodes will launch daily through December 30th, making it nine episodes long. That's pretty cool. Uh, what If was really cool. I know we both enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I haven't watched the trailers, so it's going to be a surprise to me. Are we going back to some, some, some of the same universes we were already in? It seems so. Uh, okay. they're definitely like Doctor or Evil Doctor Strange was there. Oh, okay. Um, it looked like some new characters. It looks like it's Christmas themed, which was interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a good Die Hard joke in there. Oh my god, um, love Die Hard. Yeah, it's not, it's just not Christmas until you watch Die Hard. I know what the hell. Um, yeah, I I I thought it was it was a really good trailer. It got me really excited for it. Very interesting to be a daily launch. I I think. Yeah. Disney Plus is starting to like flirt with different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm alone and enjoying the weekly cycle. And they're yeah, daily, starting to see an issue. strange. Yeah. Cause like I, I have like the set day of the week or two days of the week where I'm like going to binge all the shows I need to not necessarily watch one every night, I guess. I don't know. This makes me feel like when the show's done, I'll watch it. Yeah. Right, you could just wait a week and the episodes are out. Like, I, I would rather personally do weekly, and we, I mean, for me personally, to do it weekly and for us to be able to talk about an episode on the show, yeah, is more fun. And even if we right. didn't have the show, just like go to the comic shop or, or right. texting you or whoever, yeah, yeah. I enjoy that more. But I don't know, I, I, I'm guessing more people aren't because we have this. Uh, we talked about Echo a few weeks ago, and that's going to drop all at once. Yeah, uh, a lot least, of different yeah. strategies going on. It could be them trying to play with things. It could be that, hey, the strikes are over, and now we can get content in, so we don't have to space it out. Let's just get it yeah, out Yeah, I, I mean, it could have been like they had to release this year because they're doing it literally up until the end of the year. <laughs> it goes till the 30th, right? So, Yeah, so... Yeah. I'll be there for it, but yeah. I'll probably wait till it's done to, to look at. 
I got a lot of free time that week, so I'll probably be watching it all. Uh, <laughs> I, Invincible Season 2, Episode 3, you texted me about it. I was really trying hard to get some time to watch it this weekend, but I got about 10 minutes in. I know it's all about Alan the Alien, which I am not upset about. Um, but yeah. So you're half right. <laughs> yeah, well, half of it. Uh, so first off, I watched the first two episodes this week as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought the first episode was kind of meh. Like, yeah. it was a decent setup, but yep. I don't know. I think he jumped around a little bit too much. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a reason for it, and we'll, we'll get back to it. But it was a little weird. Really enjoyed the second episode. Third episode hit me hard, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the title screen is Alan the Alien. We get into, like, his backstory, his origin story, if you will. Yep. Uh, and then we get to that moment in the comics. So this also hits like a couple important moments in the comics early on that mm-hmm. always stuck with me in this episode. One of them being when the three Voltramites find Alan and yeah. just beat him to shit. Yeah. Beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah. We get that moment. And then back on earth, we get kind of just the same as episode two, where mm-hmm. everybody's kind of dealing with the backlash of season one and trying to like atone for their sins, including Mark and uh, Mark's mother and Mark's mother in this episode finds the support group. Yeah. And that moment in the comics is burned in my head. I love that moment. And all the voice actors and actresses in this episode Mm -hmm. do such a great job. The moment when like one of the people finds out that she's the wife of uh, Omni man and is basically like, we don't want to fucking see you here anymore. Right. Hits you so hard. Uh, Mark just going on all these adventures, trying to just constantly trying to do better and be better was mm-hmm. really good. And then it ends in another very seminal moment in the comics when the bug alien people come to Earth. Yep. And they bring them back to their planet. And we all know who's the leader of the planet, none other than right. Omni Man. So, right. Awesome episode. Yeah, I just I loved it. Uh, And I know I know you were really excited for me to watch episode two. Yeah, I like I really I did like episode two going to Atlantis. I like their version of Atlantis. Like, yeah, really over the top fish people. Atlantis. Yeah, Um, they had to they really had to tie up a lot of loose ends, though, for sure. Before they got to this, it sounds like the third episode is the reveal. Like, okay, Omni-Man's back. But like they had they're like, shit, we got to tie up a lot of this stuff before we get to that point. The third episode is not only the reveal, but it's it's really the start for me. Yeah. Like, this is where the story begins. Yeah, this is where, like, okay, shit's starting to hit the fan. We've established everybody where they are. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. cool. So cool. good. Everybody go out and watch it if you're not. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, I love the show. And, oh, I, I, I brought this up before the show. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays uh, Armstrong Levy. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching it, I'm like, fuck, I know that voice and I love that actor. And it's Sterling Brown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about it when it was announced. We probably did. But, dude, he is so good. He is really good. And, yeah, um, yeah I loved that addition to it. Like, when it clicked to me who it was, I'm like, holy mm-hmm. shit, that guy's awesome. And I remember got, him from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, of all things, too. Um, I don't know if, yeah, and I, I don't remember if... Um, I don't know if this guy was in a previous episode, but Peter Cullen, who does the voice of Optimus Prime, is in the third episode. 
as the I think he's on the board or the leader of the coalition of planets that Alan the aliens. And I like I I like wasn't looking at the phone when I was watching part of it, and I heard that voice, and I was like, oh shit, that's Optimus Prime. <laughs> uh, it's like the most recognizable voice. But yeah, it's it's really good. And the voice they took a like really good care of like who to choose for the voices the voices of the characters, which is great. Yeah, the voice cast is just. I I can't think of a better voice cast. Yeah, ever. Uh, Steve as uh, as uh, Mark is just so good. Yeah. Um, Sony released a trailer. This is movie news now, everybody. Sony released a trailer for the latest Spider-Man spinoff movie, Madam Web. It's bad. <laughs> I'm just gonna. It's bad. It's really bad. I'm not even saying that because I. It's a character I know don't know anything about. The actress is awful. Uh, Sydney Sweeney, her voiceover for the trailer is without emotion. Like you don't even see her face, but she's just deadpan reading uh, sentences over the trailer, and it's it hurts my body to watch it. So, yeah, it did nothing for me either. And but I guess what are her powers? Because she sees the future and then wears a spider suit at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing at some point she'll put on the suit. Yeah, and she guess what, Mike? She fights an evil Spider-Man. Amazing. Really? This it's is like in a black suit. Wow. <laughs> this is what this is what gets me about. So like Venom, I let them get away with the fact yeah. that like Venom's fighting evil Venom. Right. And then in Venom 2, he fights even eviler Venom. Like, OK, makes sense. I'm fine with that. Whatever. Yeah. But then when we get to Mobius. And what that piece of shit was. Yeah. And they did the same thing where he just fights an evil version of himself. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like something, something original people. Yeah. Do something else. And then I see this one and it's Madam Web. And guess what? She fights an evil version of herself. (laughs) I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It. Yeah. Sony needs to stop. I like stop with these fucking movies. Yeah. I don't get it. I I'm. I'm at the point. I'm. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna watch these, at all. Like, there's just zero chance of being good. I'll tell you right now. I haven't watched the new Venom. I haven't watched Mobius, and I probably won't watch this at all. I, to be fair, I haven't watched Venom two yet. So maybe it's a hot piece of trash. It Venom is Venom one's like if you go into it with low expectations. It's like, yeah. Oh, that was fun. That was all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mobius is just straight trash, and Craven just looks terrible as well. Oh like, yeah. I, that one looked really bad too. I forgot about that. Please stop, Sony. Please. <laughs> that one and, had some weird shit going on where like one person has a heavy Russian accent, the other guy doesn't. <laughs> well, it's got that? fucking kick ass in it and yeah. he, like goes in and out of the accent. Yeah. I'm like he's man. only there because like his chest is really big and it's right. yeah. This is now the guy who's played three different heroes. <laughs> All Marvel. Or no. No. Well, I guess I well, don't know if Marvel owns technically icons. because wasn't Kickass originally um, a Marvel property? Not a Marvel property, but an Icon property. Yeah, Icon which was yeah. owned by Marvel. Icon, yeah, it was owned by Marvel. Yep. Yeah, Icon was like Marvel's Vertigo. Yeah, like, but so, not good. <laughs> so you have Kickass, Quicksilver, and now Craven. Yeah. Oh my god. Amazing. It's just please stop, Sony. <laughs> yeah. That's all I that's all we got on the trailer was just stop. Uh, and I'm with I'm with you. Like yeah. deadpan, no emotion, no like there's no acting. Yeah. 
it just it felt like I could do a better job. Yeah. And I'm really not an actor. Chris could play Madam Web, everybody. I'd like to see that. Um, during an appearance on David Finch's YouTube live stream, which I didn't know David Finch had a YouTube live stream. Neither did I till this week. Uh, Robert Kirkman <laughs> might have unofficially announced Steven Yen's MCU character, and it's what we all thought. I didn't know that. But he will play the Sentry. Awesome. I love I love Steven Yen. Yeah. Uh, loved him since Walking Dead, and I think he completely deserves to play an awesome character like that. Yeah, like he's gonna be in Thunderbolts, I guess. We I, we definitely talked about this a while ago. Maybe, but... yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, good for him. He deserves to be in the in the limelight. I think. I think for sure. Yeah, I'm glad to see him. I mean, he's done a lot of cool stuff since then. I don't. Well, he did do that one Netflix show that got pretty popular for a minute there. Mm. But outside of The Walking Dead, like. He's flown a bit under the radar. Yeah. I think we pay attention to him because he's like doing geek stuff that we enjoy. Right. right. But he's, yeah, he's really good. And if I hope that's what he's, I hope that's what ends up being. It seems like that's what ends up being because there's been rumors forever. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirkman's just spoiling shit because he doesn't care. He has fuck you money up the wazoo. Right. And uh, it just got me more excited for Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, this is interesting because I, I did see this happening on the internet. Uh, Hollywood reporter is reporting that Marvel is in final talks with Pedro Pascal to play Reed Richards in the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. Um, and of course, future MCU projects. Okay. We'll stop at that part right now. Uh, listen, we know America and the world loves Pedro right now. Yeah. Do I want to see him as Reed Richards? I mean, we had a Reed Richards already, right? Didn't we have one in a movie? And he was pretty good. Uh, yeah, but he was never going to stick around. No. I Okay, so Pedro. So for me, I I really love Pedro, okay? Um, I don't think we've ever seen him play a character like, like Reed Richards is supposed to be played. I don't know if that's a true statement or not. But I don't think I've ever seen him play a character like that. I think the closest. So his two most famous roles, which is right. Mando. Yeah. And um, the last of us. Yeah. He plays a, a stern kind of, I guess. Yeah. Last of us. I forgot about. Okay. Dead toned father. Figure. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't in, in both shows. He like there's subtleties to how he comes out of the shell. Yeah. But there aren't like, he's very one note. In both yeah. those shows. Right. The one time I can think of, I mean, so I haven't seen that Nick Cage movie he did, which I did really want to see. That was, he was really good in that. Is he? Yeah. Still not like a Reed Richard. He's more of like a drug, a drug lord. That, But it's kind of, it's like comical. So I was going to say, the one thing I can think of that he was, that I've seen where he was outside of that, those boundaries was Wonder Woman. Oh yeah. And he was not good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that might have just been a shit script too. I mean, yes. <laughs> I like I'm not gonna put all the blame on him, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, this is my one yeah. experience. I he's, I like the yeah. dude. I guess I mean but... if he's got good direction, he should be able to nail it. Uh I, I'll say I was not expecting this as a choice. I'm not terribly upset with it. I mean, not... Marvel Marvel won't do anything that they're not comfortable with either. But so, I mean, he must have done some test stuff. 
Yeah, I'm not like raising my. I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan either. But so take that for what it is. But I'm not like raising my fist up angry. Right. No. But from everything I've read, it seems like the Fantastic Four wants to put Invisible Woman at the forefront. Which mm-hmm. okay. Um, I always. I personally always felt, and you're a, a much bigger Fantastic Four fan than me, so mm-hmm. feel free to disagree. But I always felt a it was more of a family story, but b like Reed was always kind of the leader. Yeah, he's the smartest dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's like one of the smartest dudes in the the Marvel universe, right? So you always Just make him kind yeah. of feel like he should be the lead. But yeah, right. okay. So if he's so there's two things about that is if Invisible Woman's going to be like the lead and it's really a movie about her and her right. family. Yeah. Then a, you have to find someone bigger than Pedro Pascal now to lead this movie. Yeah. If he's going to be the B character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. B. I just don't, I can't see it yet. Right. But I have faith because I've seen Marvel and DC at that take, actors that i'm like why are they being cast here right and exactly. really make me feel so, like oh yeah that's I, why they're cast. i'll here. say this is this this is not as not as crazy as the heath ledger heath ledger joker casting right so like that's why i'm kind of still like okay well i it could probably work we don't even go back that far like yeah it's, this isn't as bad as um as a like sparkly batman. batman sparkly batman yeah yeah batson yes you're right and he's he was fucking great yeah, and that was phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. uh, all of my criticism aside, where I'm like, I don't know about this, I, I would not be yeah. shocked if I'm proven wrong. This the the day. and this this next one, I am super excited for the next the next uh, casting. Uh, they're all they're also Hollywood Reporter saying that Javier Bardem is being eyed to play Galactus. I love that. <laughs> I think Javier Bardem Bardem has a menacing like deep voice yes and even when he's not being menacing i like if he was talking to me in a room i'd be like dude you're fucking scaring me (laughs) like uh he's he played a bond villain really well one of my favorite bond villains uh yeah oh uh, no country for old men he just plays like this menacing guy going around killing people uh this that is a spot-on casting like i wish i thought of that yeah yeah for sure he has this commanding presence to him. Yes. Where like yes, I does. feel like when he walks into a room, everybody yeah. just goes, Don't fuck with him. Yeah, right. But he's a super charming guy. Like you watch the yeah. interviews, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he's a wonderful person. Yeah. But like his demeanor yeah. and the, the roles he chooses, it he yep. just comes off that way. Mm-hmm. And that's there's two things about this. One, I'm really happy that a person is going to be Galactus, Mike. Yeah, I know. I like that. Yeah, I do like but, that. But be like, I can, I can picture it already. I can see him in the suit. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be heavy CGI, yeah. so it's gonna be more like him, like uh, the Hulk, right? But I can see his face with that suit on and his voice booming out of it. Spot on, cat. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind that he can nail this. I hope this is what ends up coming out of it. I am that alone would get me excited for the Fantastic Four. And it would um, make sense, Chris. He uh I forgot. I, I for some reason I thought he was an Aquaman. No, he played he played King Triton in the new Little Mermaid movie. So 
Disney's already got their their <laughs> fingers in him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you see a lot of that happening where people flip flop between all these Disney properties. They like to keep their actors close. So, oh, if you think about it, same with Pedro Pascal. So yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So Javier is already locked in. He was in a little. Mer- they they might even approach the actors and be like, "Hey, listen, you play King Triton for like five minutes. We'll give you Galactus for like twenty movies <laughs> or something." You know, like yeah. Would you see uh, on a similar note, your your boy there um, in uh, Loki? Mm-hmm. Um, shit, what's his Owen name? Owen Wilson? No, no, no. The oh, Key. Yeah, Key. Yeah. He he said something on some show where he's like, "Oh yeah, like I was unabashedly just walking up to Disney execs, being like, can I do a Star Wars thing? Can I do a Star Wars thing?'" <laughs> The, of course they're gonna let him do a stuff so like i uh, yeah so like yeah. i feel like the, even the actors know like okay once you get in the disney family yeah and like i bring this back to i, I know some people don't like the show but i love right. entourage yeah and when you watch that show when he's being cast to play uh aquaman yeah like they're in the warner office and they're talking about the warner family it's like you know yeah. how long clint eastwood's been here and how long this guy like I, th- that's there's truth to that. And right. There is truth. Yeah, yeah. And Disney has been cultivating that for a while yeah. now. Yeah. They're grabbing the all the good ones. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. When, when you can offer them all this money, like here, do a Marvel or a star Wars thing. And I would say it's a completely flip of like for Kang, they picked like an up and coming actor. That was really good. But now you have a guy, you have Javier who's very seasoned, very like has a lot like 70 plus movies under his belt. <laughs> I know? mean, they yeah. they've always done a good job of like cycling that because mm-hmm. when starting the MCU, everybody forgets like they got Robert Downey Jr. on cheap. Yeah, that's because people may forget, but he was in jail for a little while for some drug stuff. Yeah, he was and like he was on the he was coming on the upswing. They like nobody yeah. wanted to touch him at the time. Right, right. So they're like, hey, we've got this thing. Mm-hmm. Come do it cheap. Yep, and he did. And then they brought in Chris Evans who was a seasoned guy had been in a lot of stuff yeah. and then they brought like edward norton was the original hulk like right. these That's weren't guys pretty, yeah. that came out of nowhere right and then right. as they went along they started to find up-and-comers to go with they've always done a great job of mixing it yeah Dude, chris pratt was nobody before mcu yeah i know true. people i love parks and rec people love right. parks and rec but right. like there's a difference <laughs> yeah he wasn't doing anything after parks and rec <laughs> yeah well, there's that uh, joke in the last season of Parks and Rec because it's in between when he filmed Guardians when he's getting jacked, right? and he got jacked. And there's yeah. that joke I think in the first episode where they're like, "So, like, how'd you lose all that weight?" Because if you remember, he was really chubby. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, I just stopped drinking beer." And yeah. So he's like, "How much beer were you drinking?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I love Javier Bardem. Uh, I do love Pedro too. So I, I'm sure this will all be good stuff. Yeah, I'm. Re- I'm I'm getting excited for the uh, Fantastic Four. I'm getting excited for the next big, like, like, weighted storyline for Marvel. Like, if it's Javier Bardem messing with the universe, that's what I want to see. Well, I was reading about it, too. And a lot of people have been, like, kind of down in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people. You know. Yeah. And I've been up and down with it. I think there's been good stuff and bad stuff. Um, But one of the things that people brought out was we had Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, like the Avengers. We had the Avengers. Right. And that's part of what made it great is we had these awesome characters. And now we're kind of going to B side characters, like characters I still love, but like Moon Mm. Knight isn't a very popular character. 
Yeah. She-Hulk is not very popular and so on and so forth. And they kind of accidentally are going to get a resurgence because they get X-Men and Fantastic Four. Yeah, right. This is where the the influx is going to come again. This could be the shot in the arm to really bring the MCU back to prominence. Yep. We'll see. But I think the most exciting thing here, Mike, is like TV and movie news again. Yeah, I know. We have <laughs> we actually have stuff to speculate and talk about, everybody. So, yeah, the yeah. strike is over. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, yeah. Can't wait. I can't wait to see more of this. I can't wait yep. for like finalized stuff. It's I want to see more Fantastic Four news. Yeah. And I was seeing all the like that. We, we're not going to talk about every single one, but I was seeing like yeah. now that the strikes are over and people are going back to work. They basically rejiggered the um, release dates of things between yep. DC and Marvel. Right. And where they're going to fall. And like, I just, it reminded me like, dude, Blade's still coming out. Yeah. Blade. Uh, and even like stuff like Dune part two got moved up to March. So like, yeah. okay. Like and they're really going to start production on Superman. And yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all exciting stuff. Next year is going to be really exciting. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. And this exciting interview is about to happen with uh, Evan Carruthers. We're going to jump to that. We'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody. We've got another very special guest for you all, a returning special guest. Everybody, welcome back, Evan Carruthers. Welcome, Evan. Yo, good to be back. How, how you been since the last time? <laughs> good. Just uh, enjoying making comics, enjoying sometimes enjoying, sometimes not enjoying watching all the in- interesting changes in news in the comic book industry and Otherwise, living the dream. Yeah, this week we got dropped with a doozy with Comixology getting uh, shut down. Oh, I know. I'm, I hate to admit it too, but I am a Comixology user. I try to avoid it as much as at all possible for like the last four or five months. But I have a lot of back catalog stuff I bought there back in the day, and I'm not jazzed about it. Yeah, I continue to use it. I still a few books here and there I get on digital, and uh, I like I like the unlimited books, man. Like. The unlimited books are yeah. great, so it's it's yeah, it's tough, but I don't know. As as a man who's very curious and is following this industry, I'm gonna migrate over to Kindle and check it out for a little while, so that others yeah. don't have to. <laughs> have you checked out Omnibus or uh, Global Comics yet? Yeah, I, I've uh, messed around with them a little bit. I like them. I just they they all have one giant gaping flaw: no DC or Marvel. Mm. And until they yeah, get those DC and Marvels, they're just not going to be successful. Um, yeah, that's true. It's an unfortunate reality. I mean, this this industry centers around those two companies, and you got to get them on board. But I don't know. Yeah, what, and as long as they all want to do their own streaming, quote unquote, streaming service plans too, it's it's going to be a, a tough sell, probably. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird next five or so years when everybody figures out what the hell digital comics is. Which is crazy to me. Cause I feel like digital comics were finally starting to make sense. Like seven, eight, nine years ago. And now everyone's like, Oh, maybe we should think about digital comics. Like how is this industry still so fledgling? I just, I, I think it's such a small industry, like tiny industry. And yet yeah. they want to be, this big entertainment industry. And like, I would love for comics to be a huge mainstream thing. Like the actual books themselves. I get that the characters are, but the fact of the matter is, is we're a small tight knit community. And until we find a way to grow that community, 
Um, that's just the way it is. And I don't, I mean, TV and movies are having a hard time sustaining multiple streaming services. Do you right. really think comics can? <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're all jacking their prices up at two, three bucks a month, every two or three months. It feels like, like obviously the writing's on the wall. I, I think we're just going to go through a dark period because where everybody's going to come out of it and be like, Oh yeah. Like comicsology was the right thing. Like, what we had before the whole big shakeup yep. comicsology was the right thing. <laughs> before, I mean, you can't blame the founders, but the sell to Amazon is what killed it. Yeah, I mean, that was the ticking time bomb. But I, mm -hmm. once again, Amazon just kind of left it alone for what they sold in 2014, and then it was two years ago when the big shakeup happened. So yeah, we're talking about what year are we in? 2013. So we're talking about seven years of them just leaving it alone. Right. And then somebody and I will, stick yeah. up their ass about it. And it, there was value to the being part of Amazon too, like the unlimited programs and some of the stuff you had access to there and the marketplace. I mean, I've listed my own books on comicsology before it became not cool to do so. And it was, it was a pretty convenient and nice publishing program for independent authors too. Yeah, that I support a lot of independent publishers that way and independent creators that way. Uh, just because some, sometimes yeah. you can't get the Kickstarter. Sometimes I don't. I understand that doing your Kickstarter and having the PDF, you should do that, and I'm I'm all for it. But for me personally, like it, having to hold on to a PDF, and then when like I put it on a backup drive, and then it's just I hate PDFs. I hate them. <laughs> yeah so i i'm just a, a luddite who wants it like give my money to the big giant corporation and just yeah. keep it in one place for me please well that's an interesting topic so um there's parallel similar markets that i work in like a lot of tabletop gaming stuff and one yep. of the things that we have a challenge in there is uh i don't know if you're familiar with 3d printing but there's stl mm -hmm. files which are the files for 3d printing and there's they're like larger files and they're there's billions and billions of them. So there's, there's similar, but even more aggressive issues there in terms of like, I buy these files. How the hell do I get access to them? Are they stored somewhere in perpetuity? Do I lose my copy if I computer crashes? And there's some companies that have come up with this idea. And I think it would work great in comics too, is like, you know, a company like global comics should have a, a, dist a program where they let you for free distribute digital content to backers through global comics. So your purchase Kickstarter digital awards are always in your global comics library. You don't have to <clears throat> store the PDF and then it gets you on global comics looking for other stuff too. Like it would be a, a win-win. Yeah. I think drive through comics <clears throat> used to do that. They do, but it's a, uh, it's a similar, their thing is kind of old school in that it just kind of directs you to download the PDF. So the end experience mm -hmm. is still you downloading a PDF. You can just get it again if you need, but I mean, yeah, Global Comics has a brand new, just like yesterday, they relaunched their entire reader. They got a, a I, iOS and a, um, I, an Android app. So I think it'd be a good idea. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't dug, I mean, I've dug into them, but it's been a few weeks, a month or so since I've been on the app. So I'll have to check out the new update then. Yeah. It's, yeah, th there's a lot. And I, I think that somebody, Global comics would be smart because I think, I mean, I don't think I know that Kickstarter and um, other crowdfunding platforms are coming bigger and bigger inside this industry. And to get your foothold in them now and kind of be like, this is the standard and create uh -huh. the standard. You're right. It would, I mean, 
And then eventually, I mean, they just got they just get image and some other company. Yeah. I think they have all the publishers except the big two on there now. Yeah. So if you get like, so, I mean, we're going to talk about talks in a little bit, but you know, everybody backs talks and then you're able to get it through them and it's on that uh, application. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh, look at, look, Oh my God. Invincible volume one's on here too. I've been re- watching yeah. that show. Let me check it. Like, yeah, or you even smart. get smarter and recommend similar books in the same genre when they finish uh, yeah. one or something like you know that too. The, the kind of exact stuff Amazon generally is good at in their Kindle world, but didn't quite nail for Comicsology. Yeah, and then you know you'll you'll have your other stuff on there too, and then it's like, oh, look mm-hmm. what else Evan has on. Check the other mm-hmm. books he's doing, and yeah, that's you know a brilliant idea. What always pissed me off about Kindle is that it was very much designed and really not super modernized based on the, how Kindle originally was. So when you listed like self-publish a book on Kindle, you paid a fee as a publisher for digital delivery because they had to original for, for original Kindles, they would have to do the special packaging of the file to distribute it. Cause Kindle used a whisper network, which was like way slower than the internet. And then they take an insane margin and they, that's a little better. Now they have a, a special um, margin split for comics, which I believe is 40% to the publisher and 60% to Amazon. But that's so insane for like a digital book with, yeah. Where if you sell it on Kickstarter, right? Kickstarter takes their ten percent, of course, but you you get a hundred percent. And Global Comics says, I think like I think you're eighty five percent or something. But it's always bothered me how much of a cut Amazon took or Comicsology took for digital sales for doing very little. Yeah, I mean, you talk about sixty percent to the to Amazon. That dude. That's like what Sony and Microsoft do in the video game space. Like they take 70%. Yeah. And that's insane. Oh, yeah, insane. Yeah, I mean, they're still doing that in across the most published books. That that's just crazy. I mean I and it's funny because a lot of uh a lot of creators have a hard time getting into comic shops and I understand why knowing a few comic uh, uh shop owners. But all they ask yeah. is 50%. And I thought that was kind of high when I first heard it. But then when it was explained to me business-wise, because I'm not a very business-savvy person, it made sense. But, dude, oh, yeah, that's nuts. And you say no, Global I mean, Comics is doing 80%? Better. I think, I don't remember the exact number, but it's, it's substantially better than Comicsology was. It might even be more than that, honestly. Is that 80% to, to you, the creator, or the publisher? Yes, yes. It's oh, much okay. more publisher-friendly. Looks like Global oh, Comics takes twenty five to thirty five percent, depending on some different options. Oh, that's great! I, you know what? You just—I think you just convinced me. I might just migrate everything over to Global Comics now. That's that's the so other good. nice thing about Global Comics is that it's a very small community of actual comic readers, and you can ask them questions on Twitter and stuff. They're very—you know—you're not talking to a corporate giant that's not going to listen to your feedback. I mean, you can have direct conversations with the creators and like request features and stuff, which I appreciate. Yeah. That, that was one of the things I had, um, a recent thing with Zoop. And from what I know about them, they're a very small organization, mm-hmm. like a handful of people. And they, imme- not only did they immediately like answer me back, but they had, I think I called them out on Twitter actually. Yeah, I did. I called them on Twitter. They immediately answered it. And then they messaged me, had my profile like they were able to find my profile right away and be like boom 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 you know this is what's going on with these so 
yeah, I do like smaller too, although that doesn't last forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's your What's your opinion, Azup, on that? On that note, I bought I back some books myself off there, and it's been good. But I'm thinking about trying some campaigns on that platform as well. So I had I had issues. Now, from what I know about Zoop, creators can either <clears throat> opt into their fulfillment or you can do it yourself. Right. So yep. I've backed five books there. Um, one of them, I know for sure that the creator was doing fulfillment. And that book I got, no issue, no problem. There was two others that I'm pretty sure Zoop did fulfillment for. I never received one and end up finding out because I think their update system is garbage. Like I, they just need to fix it. And wow. um, that's like I said, it's a small company. So it's no like shots at them. I just, somebody needs to look into that. Cause I just don't like their update system. Um, end up finding out that that book uh, did fulfill. I just never got one oh. and, and I didn't know about it. And <clears throat> I found out because issue two is on Zoop right now. I think it's done now, but it was up when this yeah. was all going down. Yeah, that's and then the other one, there's a whole backstory to that, but basically it was taking forever. And literally right after I called them out, like a week later, it came in the mail. <laughs> Nice. And that was for everybody. That wasn't like special to me. It was just like, that's when they finally fulfilled it. So I think the fulfillment takes a little long. And then the other two, I have no clue what's going on with them. I know the creator personally, and I, I just don't know if there's an issue on his end. I haven't reached out to him to ask. Um, Hmm. But from my limited experience here, I'm, I just think they have so much to work out, but I get why creators are moving there. Yeah, my, my main gripe at the platform is that when you go to a campaign, like it seems so collector centric because they just throw all the pledge options at you before you even get to read about the campaign. I'm like, I'm not here to just see all the pledge options. I want to know what the hell this book is about. It's a it's more of a it seems to me more like a marketplace. Uh and actually I I think it was um <clears throat> Charlie Stickney who was explaining it to me that he sees them as a publisher. And they're really putting it up because they do a good job promoting. Like, I'll give them credit where credit's due. They do a good job promoting. Um, I like that they're selective, that they don't just let anybody on there. I, I kind of like right. having a a small selection, and th- they pick ones that they really like. And I do like that they, instead of doing tiers, they're just like, here's everything available. Add it to your cart. Go. Uh, right. So, so they have ideas I really like. But... I do agree with you. Like I shouldn't have to scroll all the way to the bottom. The two things I shouldn't have to scroll to the bottom for your updates, which I've mentioned earlier. And what is the book? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like that should be the yeah. top header. Like this right, is like, what hey, the here's book this is. $50 cover you can buy about a book. You've never heard anything about, but yeah, like give me some info first. So they just, they have a lot to work on, <clears throat> but they're heading in the right direction. I don't, I don't hate them. I just, I think that they're, uh, a budding company that needs to focus in more on their, how everything's built. Yeah. I like, I'm, I have a tabletop gaming business too. And I do a lot of Kickstarter stuff, which I've kind of been slowing down with because you can only do one campaign at a time on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And I have like eight comic Kickstarters lined up, ready to go. So I'm trying to find a good alternative platform for my comic work. So I can keep the tabletop gaming stuff on Kickstarter. But every one of these ones that seems promising there's always horror stories and none of them have the market 
you know, the marketplace value that Kickstarter has. So I haven't really found a solution yet. Is your tabletop stuff? Oh, you're so you're just on there as Evan. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say what some people do is they create a second account. Yeah, I thought about that, but you have to jump through some hoops to Kickstarter because you apparently have to have separate bank accounts for the for the accounts because some of the policy and stuff too. But it'd be nice. To, yeah, it'd be nice to have a woven press one. TV. Yeah. Say so have a woven press one, and then whatever your table. And then you lose all the follower updates and stuff too. You know, I'd have tens of thousands of people added back my various projects over the years that get alerted when I launch new stuff. Yeah, that is tough. I mean, because yeah, I mean, you keep the comics one, Evan, and then do the tabletop one the other way, but then you still probably you have a following yeah. in tabletop on Comicsology too. So yeah, same issue the other direction. Yeah, that's tough. Thus is life. I'll find so- I'll find a solution. Yeah, these are good problems to have, man. Good problems to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of good problems to have, um, last time you were on, I think we were talking about issues three and four of talks. And now you're ready to complete the first arc. So I guess before we jump too much into the Kickstarter, re- tell everybody what Tox is again. Let them know what the, the pitch is here. <clears throat> yeah, so I keep clearing my throat. I got some phlegm over the last couple of days. Um, yeah, Tox is a, is a comic campaign um, that is based on a story where humanity screws up the ozone layer uh, and that allows all the radiation in space to just kind of get to the earth and it batters the earth with radiation and over a 30 year period it just destroys lots of stuff as you can imagine kills the vast majority of humanity uh those that are left are driven underground to seek shelter and then everything left on the surface including animals and plants and everything essentially rapidly mutates because of this radiation so everything becomes crazy and mutated and in this world 30 years after this event has happened uh humanity is completely sterilized and one woman named Claire, who is one of the youngest uh, alive humans, finds herself almost miraculously uh, pregnant in a, a world and a situation in which she never expected to ever be pregnant. So the story is about her journey uh, of learning what it means to her to care about you know, a, a life other than just her own, which has been her modus operandi for her whole existence. Well... Every clan in this whole world, you know, a faction of motorcycle gangs, um, roving bands of mutants, even her own people start to think of her child as a resource. And she's got to fight to keep herself and her baby alive. Yeah, so I I think we talked last time about you were doing two issues together as one campaign. And I thought that was yeah. interesting. Uh and I, and I think a part of that was you had so many campaigns you wanted to get through and you just, you want to yep. get them all out and everything. This one I find even more fascinating because while I've been telling everybody, you know, talks it's, it's done volume ones on Kickstarter. That's not entirely true because you're kickstarting volume one and issue five. Mm-hmm. And if we really want to get into it, you are also, um, doing a one shot inside the tox universe so kind of three comics well two issues of a comic and a full volume in one i I guess my first question is why (laughs) i mean yeah you 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 basically were right in that i have so many projects coming down the pipe here many of which are finished and just sitting to see waiting to see the light of day where if i unless I stop making comics you know cold stop and kickstart all these over the next two years individually i'm 
that's the only reasonable reasonable way I could do single issues. And as a reader myself, I don't like single issues. It's not enough meat on the bone for me. I want to get more content personally. And fulfillment is easier uh, and faster. Um, you get, you know, it's nice to just be able to represent more sequential pages per campaign. <clears throat> and the one shot idea was, I just was something I wanted to experiment with. I initially had planned that to be, the pages are designed in a way where it's fixed size panels because I wanted to cut it to try uh, building a vertical scroll comic or building single uh, panel images that would work with like a mobile guided view. Because I was originally planning on doing that as a web comic to kind of just, you know, get people interested in the universe a little bit. But I kind of pivoted on that a little bit and just decided to have it as another book included, printed in the campaign, which included free to read digitally as kind of a, a way to entice people to the campaign. Yeah, I, I thought it was a cool addition, the one shot, because, yeah. I mean, if you've been getting all the issues and you just want to get issue five, like you can kind of suck them in with another one shot. And if you are new to it and you're like, oh, like I've been hearing about this book, let's get the trade. Well, there's also this one shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so either way, you can kind of kind of get an extra add on perk to that. Have, have a lot of people been jumping on that or? How's it going? Yeah, I mean, I think I shot myself in the foot a little bit by releasing it for free, but it was something I wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know, the digital version. Um, <clears throat> my thesis also is that this book is a little bit different formatted. It's, uh, it's going to be printed in six by six inch pages, and it reads kind of in a grid format uh, with a wraparound cover. So it's going to, I think it's going to sell really good at cons since it's kind of a self-contained story. It's going to look and feel a little bit different in the hands than a traditional book, um, but the, the trade is, is a normal size. Yeah, I'll probably draw a little bit of interest being whenever you have something different, like you know, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I got I, I was looking through it and I know, like, I'm looking through your tears trying, trying to make sense of the whole thing. As, as I don't know if you know it, saw, but um, as part of my new sub stack, I did a thing on uh, this campaign, and when I was doing that, like I said, I'm looking through it. And my first question that came to mind was, I wonder how many people that were buying issue five also got the trade. Now, have you noticed a lot of that? Has there been a split? Yeah. Um, what's been going there on? There is now? some of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you tend, there's two camps of people there, right? That would do that. It's either the ones that have been reading the single issues and then they're like, look, I'm going to do what is the most affordable and just get the next issue to finish okay. the arc. And then you have the people that are like, <clears throat> I just, you know, I'm going to do that, but also I want to trade. It, it's coming up in the holiday season, so I was hoping that people might kind of get it as a gift as well, or people who just wanted all the covers collected in the back and things that weren't included in single issues. So there's definitely some crossover there for sure. Yeah, because I, I was so curious when I was doing it, sitting here thinking about it, because you see most people, you see Evan, do issue by issue on their Kickstarter. I don't know if you know how, the, how most people work. <laughs> <laughs> But then they get to issue, let's say it's five issue series. They get to issue five, and then the next one is most likely the trade or somewhere down the mm -hmm. line it's a trade. And I've always wondered how many people cross over with that. Like how many people buy yeah. the, the long and then buy the trade? And now when you're doing this, my head's going to, not only am I wondering about that, but then I'm wondering about right. how Evans is going. And then I'm wondering the comparison between the two. <laughs> and I know I, I'll uh, never have those answers, but no. I'm just curious. I mean, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, the, the way to have made the absolute most money from this series would have been to do single issues because that always, you know, tends to do the, the best funding because people get on every individual issue. 
And then like I could have done the Caravan of Corpses one shot as its own book easily. It's 40, 44 pages um, of sequential art. Um, <clears throat> for my Ignis Quadrant book, my first series, I did individual issues and then I did five in the trade as one. And that was substantially probably like another 30 or 40% larger than all my previous single issues with the trade included. So I, that's telling that people were coming for both the trade and the single issue. Interesting. Because I tend to be a guy, and I mean no offense to any creator out there, honestly, but I buy I buy a lot of single issues. I go to the comic shop every week. Um, I do a lot of Kickstarter. I love mm-hmm. single issue comics. Uh, if I have a trade and you see the, the shelf behind me, it's either something older that I'm just not going to get single issues of. It's, it's near mm-hmm. impossible or it's too expensive. Or it's a series that I fucking love like uh dark knight returns i have all the single issues and i have the trades and i have the uh like but that's a rare exception so -hmm. it's interesting to me that i might be in the minority here where a lot of people maybe do double dip yeah it's i mean it's interesting to think about the different types of customers in comics, right? Like you have the single issue purchasers that are readers, the single issue collectors, you know, the people that like myself, I vastly prefer reading a collected volume versus individual issues. Mm-hmm. And I don't collect at all. I just, you know, I think covers are wonderful and I like looking at them, but I'm not, I'm not buying a book with two different cover versions. You know, in fact, I'm probably not even buying it physically because I prefer to read digitally. And I'm, a, you know, not st- a standard comic reader in that way, but you have to try to cater to, every possible type of backer that might be interested in your campaign. Yeah. And, and that was one thing when I started doing this diving deeper into Kickstarters and like kind of spotlighting them. And it was funny because I think the first two I spot uh, spotlit on my Substack didn't do digital on their campaign. Really? And I was so, cause so the, uh, Mike who co-hosts the main show with me, he's an all digital reader. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I think at this point, the only physical comics he owns are either Godzilla comics or, or Invincible, because yeah, that's, that's pretty much Mike's entire too, yeah. personality right there is Godzilla yeah. Invincible. <laughs> nice. But uh, he, he's all digital. So in, in my head, I know somebody like yourself who's all digital and just won't go to a, not that he doesn't want to go to a comic shop. It's just, you know, space and all this stuff. Oh yeah, that's it's a hundred percent. That's the issue is space. I mean, I've had to just purge a whole bunch of my D and D stuff too that I have giant, giant shelves of because you know, kids, family. Like the last thing I want to do is start collecting something else that takes up more physical space. Yeah, it's tough. It, it is, but uh, I was just I'm I'm always so curious when I saw this because they were two campaigns in a row that by people I loved and I just never mm-hmm. noticed that they don't do digital. Interesting. And I was immediately confused by it. And I actually talked to one personally and he, he told me that it took too much time and it didn't, I'd maybe get a backer or two off of it. That's, Have you that noticed doesn't that? Match, or? That doesn't match the industry research I've done and seen. I mean, I've always gotten substantial digital backers uh, and it's kind of a commonly known thing among comic creators that you need to support digital because shipping is astronomically expensive internationally and if you want you're basically saying screw you to international backers that can't afford 30 dollars shipping if you don't have a digital option they just can't read your book mm-hmm. and from an effort standpoint it's creating a digital comic is so easy you're already doing it for the print copy a few modifications 
then you have digital and it costs zero dollars to have inventory of it it costs zero dollars to distribute it i mean it's it seems like a no-brainer to me i always looked at it as free money like you're already creating the book you're trying <laughs> to print it i yeah. know what goes i know it goes into making the the copy for the printer now yeah. the copy that you distribute digitally is different but very similar <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. I mean, you can generate it from the same design file if you want to with a few tweaks. Yeah. So I always, I was, I was so confused because, like I said, it just, it seems like free money to me. Like, even if only two people backed it, like, you, what was it really that much effort? I don't know because I'm not a graphic designer. I don't do that stuff. So maybe yeah. it is, but I mean, the other strategy to consider, and this is something that, that we, you'd mentioned Charlie earlier, but he, he's a big believer in this is that. Like it, it, it's not important how much money you make on a campaign necessarily. Obviously, you got to make ends meet and be able to afford keeping, continuing to make, make to make comics. But it's more about how many people you can get your comic into their hands for. Like those are two people that now are not familiar with your work that didn't get to enjoy your comic, might not buy a physical book in the future or tell their friend about it. Right? Like anything you can do yeah. to get someone to read a book, you should be doing it. Yeah, won't talk to people at the comic shop about it. Won't post about it on Facebook or Twitter. Won't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I like I said, creators I love, but I just dumbfounded by no, it. No, I but. I get it. It's hard. I mean, I know other people share this this challenge. I, I do not like selling comics. I I have been an entrepreneur my whole life and I've created multiple businesses and done a lot of the stuff that gives me the skills to do it, but mm -hmm. I don't like doing it. I'd rather just make the comics. Unfortunately, they're expensive and you have to, you know, recoup those costs and you want people to read the damn things. But selling comics isn't that much fun. I, I so on that, I always thought about this because I've never been in this position. You, I mean, you, you've done the con circuit, right? You've gone to cons, sold the book, done that whole thing. Oh, Do yeah. you ever feel like a carnival barker when you're there? Because sometimes as a consumer, oh. I'm just like, these people are just yelling at me. <laughs> Dude. I, the last con I did, I was sitting next to a gal who had an amazing business. And she had essentially... The, I forget the term for it, but it's it's Japanese um, images of cum faces, old faces essentially. Um, okay. There's a term for it, but it's like you know where it's very very manga anime style, like eyes in the middle of an orgasm. And she had them on shot glasses. She had created herself in a pint glasses. I bet you that chick made ten thousand dollars sitting next to me at this con, and I'm just sitting there like, does anybody in here read comic books, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have yes, anime titties, but I have a really good story. <laughs> It's it's tough, and especially the other challenge I've noticed over the years, and I'm sure you've seen this at cons, is finding a comic con is extremely challenging. Everything is so pop culture and autograph focused, and I don't. It just it sucks. It's I get that it's catering to more levels of nerddom, which is cool, and we want everyone to get you know something they enjoy. But it seems like there's not too many really comic focused cons anymore. No, it's tough. It, yeah, and the the ones that are. The ones that are tend to be really small. Like I, I think COVID mm -hmm. killed my local con, but that was very comic centric. And it was everybody from yes. our area that created comics, which to be honest, wasn't many people, but like everybody was there. A bunch of the shops were there. It was just a bunch of people who love comics getting together. Right. The closest yeah. to a bigger con I've gone to that I would say is comic centric is uh terrific con. That one's very comics focused, but there still is the back section where you get to meet the celebrities and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. That, that is very tough. 
I find it hard to find new creators in a lot of cons these days. It's expensive. I mean, yeah, there was a few even local ones I wanted to do where it was like a $600 table fee mm-hmm. for like a two or three day con. Like that's pretty, I get inflation's happening and you're competing with, you know, other vendors that are selling things that might do better that are more pop culture centric, but it's, yeah, it's tough. I understand that why cons ended up going this way. You know, they're making so much money from these autograph signings and things, but they become such a central part of the con that overshadow the comic con quote unquote. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, I didn't get to go to many cons this year, but I remember last year um, going to a bunch and you, you're kind of weaving through and not that I, I do love these people too, because I do buy stuff from them every once in a while, but like yeah. the, the ones that are just doing prints of like, you know, here's Goku and here's uh, Superman, right. and, you know, those are fine. I have some around the room that I really like and everything, but I, I nowadays I go there and I want to find people like you who are creating books. Maybe I've never heard of them. Want to talk to them. Maybe buy mm-hmm. the first issue, see what it's all about. And I find it not, not even just, I mean, maybe it is, you're right that the pricing has gotten crazy and they're just not coming, but the way they're laid out, there's not really an artist alley anymore. There's just here, put them in with the vendors yeah. and they're like doing this. Right. And yeah, I don't like it. Or they do artist alley and it's in a it's in the furthest back corner next to the bathroom or something. Well yeah, and then artist alley is just another vendor corner because next to yeah. you is the, the chick that does uh does anime titties and next to her is the one that does um lanyards and I'm like, but that's not right, I mean right. there's an art to it, but like that's not what we mean by artist. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. I think there's room for all the kinds of cons, and I wish. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the reason that there isn't more comics book is cons is like you said, because it's just it was probably financially hard to make it work. It's and tough. Especially I'm... when readership is down. I mean, that's been keeping me up at night too. Is reading all the attention lately that Western comics is kind of fading, and manga is just killing it and overtaking everything, and you know, is getting all these people into reading, you know, sequential stories, but. The comic, you know, Western comics are doing worse than ever. Oh, I, I worked with a guy for about a year and a half. And he, and listen, I, I'm the, the, the guy when I see something comic related, I get a little excited because I'm like, we have something in common. And this guy yeah. had a giant flash tattoo on his arm. I do not like the flash, but I was just like, holy shit. Like it's a, it's a comics yeah. guy. So slow. I'm like, dude, like you like the flash. He's like, oh yeah, I love the flash. It's like, like are you reading currently like or what's your favorite run it was oh no no, no. i just like the tv show what you listen, got the t- t- listen you got the tattoo from the tv show Re- respect for the tattoo but in my <laughs> head i'm just like that was such a disappointment for me because i was like i found another one in real life not in the right. comic shop at work i found somebody nope i didn't find anybody at all oh, man. <laughs> and even somebody in our D group that we do at a comic shop um, just joined and she doesn't read comics. She loves the MCU. She loves the movies and everything. Never read a comic. And I'm just like, Oh, it's, it's so disappointing, yeah. but I understand where people are coming from. I mean, I get it. But. So I do uh Brazilian jujitsu. And one of the things that is kind of common or popular and, and there's a rash guard. It's essentially like a form fitting t-shirt to help wick away sweat and stuff while you're training. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of brands that do that have popped up that do like superhero logo stuff on there. 
So I've seen somebody with like a Superman one or like Punisher. And I'm like, oh, you're into the comics, I assume. And they're like, no, I've never even read them. I just think the logo's cool and I want to be a badass. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, this is even worse. I just, uh, so I, I wear a headband at the gym and I have a Captain America one. I think it's Junk Bands makes them. Mm. And then I just found, you know, the shorts with the compression shorts underneath them. Yeah, for sure. Somebody makes one and they do like they do anime ones. And I grew up watching like Dragon Ball Z and everything. So oh, for sure. And I found out that they have so they have all these Dragon Ball Z ones. I was like, oh man, I need some some shorts with that on it. And I looked further and they've got a whole Marvel section where it's like Venom up your leg and everything. I was like, these are awesome. But I'm sure like if I saw that out in the wild, now I don't even know if I want to bother people with it. Like so I'm like, I know you don't You're read right. the comics, it's, you just like that movie. No. Right. <laughs> Probably haven't even seen it. They just like Tom Hardy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, listen, we all love Tom Hardy, but I mean, come on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's jump back over to the, the comic. So here's your Kickstarter here. So we're doing volume one. You've got a really cool cover for volume one here. Yeah. Um, I don't know next- if I call it out enough here, but that the cover's got soft touch laminate and embossing on it too. So it's going to be a really nice book to hold in your hand. I like. High oh, that's going to feel nice. Yeah. And then what I was noticing I was going through, so here we got issue five's cover. I see how far down it is now. Bunch of preview pages. And once again, I think we discussed it last time, but love your artists. Your art team's awesome. Actually, if you want to shout them out right now, uh, talk a little bit about them. Yeah. Ben Morell is the artist. Uh, he's got his own Kickstarter going right now, too, I think, for um, Blade Shot, which is an NSFW uh, action comic. Amazing artist. Um, I had two colorists throughout the story. Um, <clears throat> had to switch partway through, which is fine, but it's kind of really cohesive. Uh, and then I did the lettering myself. Did you also do the formatting for the um, print run? Yep, yep, I do all that stuff. Oh, awesome. This is where I wanted to get your covers. So the main cover is really cool. I'm a cover A guy. Like, I, I there's a very rare exception where I buy a variant cover, but like... Sure. I love your A cover. Your D cover, though. I don't know what it is. It's very, it, it normally wouldn't speak to me because normally, like, something like B would speak to me where it's very colorful, very yeah. purple. Where this one is much more dark and drab. But something about that image, I love. Just love. This artist, Bugra, is, <clears throat> is so talented. He's done a bunch of covers for a few upcoming series I have that are like supernatural horror. And he's very, very talented. He just has a look that is not, it's not normal comics. It feels like a mix of kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like almost fantasy art or something you might see like a convention on a poster in a way, but also like that lends itself well to comics. I don't know. It's hard to explain or put into words what I'm saying, but it's, it, his work just doesn't fit the mold of normal Western comics, but it looks amazing. And I'm, I really want to do more work with this guy. Yeah, it, it's so good. And I like how he did. Did he put in the, the Tox logo or was that something he did nope, after I, the fact? I did that. Okay, because that addition to it, it being behind the pillar makes it seem like almost the, the variant movie poster, like the yeah, kind of artsy sure. movie poster they do. And that right there, like. I mean, you could keep the logo, but if you took the logo out, like that's an amazing print, an amazing poster right there, just on its own. I yeah, poster. I that's what I, that's what I was trying to describe when I was his art style. Like, it's reminiscent to me of, of cool classic movie posters. Yeah, 
yeah, that's got to be why it appeals to me so much. Because although I like the orange throughout it, I, I think I live in a world. Uh, so we lived in a world for so long where like brown and orange and just like kind of post-apocalyptic coloring seemed mm-hmm. overdone for a little while there. And sure. uh, and I was always searching for more color, more purple, more, you know, all that. And then it kind of almost became a caricature where I was always saying that. And now I see it so much that this type of stuff is more appealing. But uh, even with that, it just it pops so well. And I like the design of this character here. Everything about it is great. That's an interesting point you bring up. And I think I may have mentioned this before, but like, look, that was one of the challenges of this series from a kind of art design standpoint was like, how the hell do we make this not look like, you know, it's a wasteland where everything's burned to hell. How do you make it not boring? It can't all just be browns and yellows, right? There's got to be colors in there. And I achieved some of that through the lettering, but also through, you know, use of different purples and, and oranges, like you mentioned, and trying to make it interesting still. Yeah, that was something I mentioned in my write-up of it, because this image here, um, one of the pages and the preview pages for the audio listeners, is very typical of a post-apocalyptic story, orange-brown, mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, there's light, but it's kind of drab. And then even in later pages, we get dark and everything. But you find ways, where is it? So you find ways later, like with this character here in this panel to add in a little splash of color. And then when we get to the nighttime is when the color palette flips. And it, this might sound weird, but this is how my brain works. Like as much as I love this image, this seems like dark and dreary to me where your nighttime seems more bright and vibrant yeah just no, because of the palette flip yeah and it's one of the things i loved about the the series when i was reading through it is that the the, the coloring you did kind of go out of your way to try <coughs> to make it pop a little bit more than your average post-apocalyptic the, story the irony is that the sun is the enemy right so the yeah. in the evening in the night you, it is the brighter safer type of day yes and then we talked we talked a lot about it already, but your your one shot here, and I love the artist you got for this too. Um, shout him out as well. Yeah, so well, the cover artist and the series artist are different. Um, so Alex or Alessandro Amoruso did the wraparound cover. He also did cover C of the issue five and a bunch of covers for previous issues. Um, and then the the pages um, were done by uh, Rick Alves, who's another really great artist. Yeah, and, and he does. It's much different, obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. I liked his pages in here and how they fit. And then once again, with the, the differing of the color palettes and throughout, right. it was really good. So that was this, this thing where I mentioned like the different format I was experimenting with there. So I did like bigger text for the lettering and things. So like if you're reading it on, like for example, the series is also on Global Comics with the mobile guided view, so you can read it on your mm-hmm. cell phone. And it'll take you frame by frame and it's actually readable. You don't have to zoom in 20 times to read a frame. And it's kind of an interesting format experiment. Definitely. And then once again, hiring this guy, Blake, I don't know what you're doing over there, but um, (laughs) no. uh, So the global comics, the, the guided view, is that something that just kind of happened? Do you have to do anything when you submit that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you have to do, you have to, input the panels essentially you go page by page and use your mouse and just draw where the panels are you can do uh, really basic square ones or custom shapes if needed um and it's similar to amazon also supports it when you upload to comiXology and kindle um 
Amazon's got a feature where they try to auto detect the panels for you based mm -hmm. on some computer vision stuff. In my experience, it works like shit and you got to do it manually anyway. But I mean, for let's say a 22 page issue, it takes, I don't know, 10 minutes to do it, but then it's done. And then it makes it substantially easier to read on mobile. Interesting. Cause I knew comiXology to automatically, I didn't know there was a manual. Oh, they're automatic works like shit. I mean, every, every time uh, you see a book with that, I'm, nine times out of 10, the author had to, or the creator had to fix that or redo it themselves. Okay. Any conversation I've had with a person individually where I praise that whole panel reading thing, I'm taking it back now based on what I've just said, because I was always In like, wow, it works really awesome. <laughs> the only time it works well is when you have a very basic color scheme where like your gutters, everything between panels are white and it can detect the black panel borders. But uh, in my opinion, a well, an interesting well done comic is using different types of panel borders and not clean breaks between panels and stuff. And that it can't auto detect any of that shit. Yes. When, when a, a book's paneling is just outstanding, it gets me so excited because I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, somebody actually cared. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. It's so tough. Uh, I know a lot of artists don't really get into it, especially in, in the indie scene, because you know the, it, they're trying to go from project to project. But mm -hmm. um, when you see those the cool paneling in a book, it's like, oh man, this is so. I don't know. Something nerdy gets in me where I'm really excited about it. <laughs> As a reader, I would take you know a hit on art a few points to make the paneling better, just to make the experience of reading it and the flow pacing, you know, page turn interest, all that stuff is more valuable to me as a reader than, you know, beautiful art in the most boring panel layouts. Yes. Doomsday clock. <laughs> uh, now that I throw my shot at Jeff Johns for the day, we've got, so we've got talks volume one sitting on Kickstarter right now, yeah. along with issue five. You're almost at funding. You got a few days to go. Yep. Uh, I mean, it looks like you're going to hit your your funding goal, but everybody should definitely go check it out. So, uh, if I wanted to direct people to to come follow you for the next pro for this project and the next project, uh, what kind of social media do you do? Do you have a website? Where can I send people? Yeah. Um, so on all the socials, I'm Wolven W O L V E N underscore Press. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, well, these places still exist, I guess. Um, I do have a website. It's woven.press. Um, so that's a little outdated, but I should be updating that pretty quick here too. Otherwise, it's pretty much it. Awesome. And to everybody out there, as always, you can find both Evan's website and the Kickstarter page in the show notes down below. So click on that. Check it out. I promise you, Tox is an awesome book. And uh, we didn't talk about it much, but if you're not a Kickstarter person and you like to go to your local comic shop, will also be available at your L LCS. So yes. check previews, talk to your local comic shops. You can also get it there. Um, Evans, thanks so much for stopping by, coming to chat. Uh, it was a pleasure, Absolutely. and I look forward to the next time, man. Yeah, always fun. Thanks. And we're back. We're back talks volume one on kickstarter check it out yes listen to it check it out it's in its final days as you're listening to this yep and it's a really good book good stuff yeah and now on to the comic news uh dc comics has announced that dan jurgens alongside artist mike perkins 
will be making a new Batman Black Label three-issue series. All right. The series is called The Bat-Man First Night. And the series will be set in the year 1939 as Batman will have to investigate a bizarre murder. Uh, Crime noir, Chris, in the 30s with Batman. Are you there? Dan Jurgens writing it? Fuck yes, I'm there. Mike Perkins on the art. This is awesome. Like, look at that art. Dude, Mike Perkins, amazing artist. Uh, That old school Batman original suit. Yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. I this came across my desk and I was so fucking hyped sitting here alone. Yeah, you're like, this is my book. It's awesome. I love period pieces. I love crime noir. I love Batman. I love Dan Jurgens. I love Mike Perkins. Yep. Everything here. You see hints of something involving a wolfman in this image. It hints back to the original appearance of Batman. I want to point out in this because I've been studying this this week, Mike. Yeah. We don't see his fists anywhere, right? Oh, yeah. We and don't. I'm going to go to the next one, which just goes back to the first appearance. Cover. Purple gloves. God damn it, Dan Jurgen. If he doesn't wear purple gloves, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're literally hiding. Oh, dude. And that one, like his head makes like the bat symbol with the yellow. Oh, dude. Like dude, what the hell? It's the original helm. Yeah. These, these appearance. covers are insane. These covers are so good. I can't explain to you how how hype I am for this book. And yeah. I I just know they're purposely hiding his hands. Yeah. Because got, there's yeah. going to be a reveal in the first issue yeah. where he's just like, and yeah. purple gloves. And for for those like, of you that oh. don't know, Batman in the first issue, his first appearance, number one, he used a gun. Number yes. two, he had purple gloves for some reason. I don't know. Why not? Because why not? That's why. Because why not? Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. This book's I cannot wait for this book. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait for it either. Yeah. Uh more DC news. Uh DC Comics talked about some details of an upcoming Batman storyline for the mainline series by Chip Zdarsky. So that's he's he's coming back. Uh starting in February will be a new story arc called Joker Year One. Oh boy. This will dive deeper into Joker's origin. Uh will take place alongside Frank Miller's. Seminal story arc, Batman Year One. (laughs) (laughs) For audio listeners, Mike's look of disappointment and his head just just dropped as if he just lost all hope. We went from this exciting news, this awesome Batman book, to just this. I saw, I saw like the, the, you know, the front of these notes that I'm reading are like DC Comics, Chip Zdarsky, new Batman storyline. Like, wow, this is going to be great. And then we have. Uh, OK, so let's unpack this for a second. There's purple gloves, Chris. Oh, no, those oh, are the Joker's that's purple. Joker, yeah. yeah. Uh, OK, so. Chris, I feel like we've attempted these year one books since Batman year one. And I think almost all of them have not lived up to the original storyline by Frank Miller. Uh, I don't need it. I don't need a Joker year one. I don't. I probably will read it. I mean, I'm reading the, I'm reading the Batman book now. I love Chip Zdarsky on it. So we'll see what happens, but I really hate that they're doing this. I'll hundred percent read it. It's a three issue arc um, in a book. I'm loving. Yeah. Okay, here's where I'm going to go a little devil's advocate on everything here. Okay. 
So far, outside of this crossover that I skipped, Chip Zdarsky's Batman has been phenomenal. Yeah, it has. It really has. It's been great. And the thing that he's done really well is taking threads from seminal Batman stuff, mostly Grant Morrison right now, Mm -hmm. and modernizing it and telling new stories centered around it. Yep. So giving him the benefit of the doubt, him taking probably my favorite writer artist ever, if not top five and Frank Miller Mm -hmm. doing one of his top five stories of all time and trying to add to it. I'm not going to throw it out the window right away. No, I mean, I'm going to read it because of the Chip Zdarsky side of it. Yes. Now, if they said, hey, we're switching writers and it's going to be Joker year one, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, 100% Uh, I'm with you there. I I completely agree with what you said about Zdarsky, like grabbing stuff that's there and and like moving it forward into the modern age. I think also. The other thing here is. We just got all that crossover. I read the recent Batman. I don't know if you read it yet. Because mm-hmm. I talked about it I last did. Week. Yeah, I read it. Yep, yep. I read okay. it. Okay. And we're in a Joker story arc, which we, me and you constantly talk about how I we wish that they would do less Joker because it just gets overdone. Give it time, let it sit, and then go back to Joker. And now we're telling a Joker story that's going to lead into another Joker story. That's my one hesitance is like, yeah. okay, after this, you better get away from Joker for a little while. Yeah, let's like, I was leave. really liking the no Joker thing for right. Him. Right. I know. It, yeah, it's it's tough, but I think it's going to end up being good. Yeah, I have hope. Yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, it's just disappointing to hear that. Like, what I, I unless this is what Chip wanted to do, I would just let Chip do his own thing, you know, like. He's just doing such a great job on his own. We didn't need a Joker year one story. Like we could have just let him do his own original thing. But if he wanted to do it, then it's probably going to be good. I feel like there's, there's a half and half there. I think when you go into being the Batman writer, they tell you at some point you're doing Joker. Right. So as part of your pitch, what are you going to do with Joker? Mm -hmm. And I would love to, I would love to, have the chance maybe one day we'll get to talk to somebody who's pitched for batman or done batman um on on the regular book i would like i would think that behind the scenes these writers know like okay we want to do our batman book and let's Mm -hmm. let's say you and i are doing it and we're gonna pitch our batman it's like okay well we want to tell our great we have a great clay man story so we want to do the clay man story yeah but we know once that's done we gotta rope joker in so how are we gonna like i'm sure that's part of your pitch right so so does he want to i would assume joker is one of those characters that every writer is like i i have a joker story i want to tell so Mm -hmm. whether it's good or not is a different story but yeah true but i guess we'll see i i don't know if you saw this but this got me really excited and this is kind of similar and that it's chip sadarsky doing a book and mm-hmm. frank miller's doing a variant cover mm-hmm. and i think you're gonna hate the cover but i just wanted to share it because i fucking love the cover yeah and you'll see why immediately so that avengers twilight book he's doing mm-hmm. this is one of the variants right here 
Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so it's <laughs> Captain America doing the Dark Knight Returns post. That is an awesome cover. I I still haven't heard back. I got to call or talk to my retailer, but I texted him as soon as I found out. I was like, this exists. How hard is it to get this? Yeah. Because I want another copy. It's going to go on the wall behind me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't been done before. That's it might have, but yeah. it's also the fact that Miller drew it. Yeah, Miller drawing it is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So that was just my one thing I wanted to That's add. really cool. Yeah. Um, all right. The last piece of news, very weird, strange. Oh, yeah, we'll I see what... about this. <laughs> yeah. Amazon announced that Comixology is no more. So they're merging it with Kindle on December 4th. Uh, active users will be able to migrate their collection to Kindle app. Amazon has promised that there'll be an update rolling out. To make it more comic and manga friendly, surprisingly, Comicsology Unlimited will continue to be a thing, and your subscriptions can remain active while they continue to publish comics through that line. I mean, just like Amazon to buy something to kill it off and merge it with their <laughs> app that already sucks. So this sucks, but I mean, like, what are we gonna do? There's no other competition out there, Chris. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and. For everybody out there, the interview you just listened to was recorded the day before we're recording right now. So since then, because uh, me and Evan talk about uh, some of this, and mm-hmm. then he brings up like Global Comics and a few other apps. Yeah. And I did some research, looked at them, went through them, kind of jiggered with them. They're not comicsology. No. None of them are. And right. that's my problem here is that for one, none of them have DC or Marvel. So off the bat, they fail. Yeah, you're already out. I'm just, I'm sorry. That's just the reality of the no, world. No, yeah. If I can't get them all in one spot, like, come on. Yeah. Also, Global Comics, which is the biggest one, isn't a digital marketplace. It's a subscription-based marketplace. Yeah. You have to pay for a subscription to read the books. And you don't get new books. So... Yeah. For me, it's like, dude, I'm a new reader. I'm a I'm a week to week reader. So your app, your app just doesn't cut it for me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just I think, and I think that's where a lot of people are going to fall is, unless we get to a place where Marvel, DC, and Global Comics being like the third pillar, all are bringing new stuff day one. Mm-hmm. I don't see ever paying for them. And none of them do that right now. Yep. So I'm stuck with Kindle. Now, what this did do for me is I'm definitely going to start reading less and less digital comics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, know. I did you download the 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 Kindle app yet? Because I'm sure you got that notice. I already have it. So I have a I have an Amazon Fire tablet. So I already have the Kindle app on my on my tablet. Yeah. Yeah. We're. Were you still using Comixology? Because I remember at one point you were yeah kind of yeah yeah I was yeah mm-hmm. okay I knew at one point you were kind of shying away from it because of right. the update. No, I'm still using it. Yeah, so was I. And I downloaded the Kindle app and I went through it. And I'm like, it's not bad, but it's right. It's not Comixology. No, it's not. Yeah. And I'm waiting to see what this update is because one of the things about Comixology that made my life easy is the new tab where I could just see what was new. Right. Flip That's through them. Up. Yep. And now I feel like I'm going to be sitting here with a, a website up and like, okay, what came out this week? Yeah, you have to search for it. So hopefully, <laughs> they say it's going to be more friendly for comics. We'll have to wait and see because it isn't right now. No, the reading of it's fine. I mean, yeah. it's, it's whatever, but yep. this is disappointing. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody 
would I wish somebody like Global Comics who already has their foot in the door would just make it a marketplace and prove that digital comics readers are fine with just a central marketplace where they can get everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just I don't feel like comics is big enough to sustain multiple apps and multiple subscription services. Like right now between Global Comics Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinite. And then if you want to count in Comixology Unlimited, that's four subscriptions. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I don't uh, have four TV subscriptions. Yeah, I know. That's just, it's just too much. Yeah. So you need to figure something out. But this sucks. I mean, Comixology was so great for so long. Yeah. And then they just destroyed it. Yeah. For no reason, too. Yeah. They left it alone for so long. Yeah. Like I was reading about it. They bought them in 2014. Yeah. That's like seven straight years of just leaving it alone. Right. And it's then crazy. for some reason they decide to fuck with it. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Screw you, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> but keep giving uh, me that prime shipping, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll read this week. I read some books. Oh, my grub books. Let's go. Uh, I caught up on Shazam five. Uh, I thought it was the end, but it's not. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman wants says, yeah, I'll let the gods tell me what to do and wants to be Shazam. That'll be cool. How awesome was that ending? Yeah, that was really cool. And then we're getting another issue. So Batman 139, Zdarsky, Jimenez. Hey, great stuff. We get more Zernar like we talked about. The Joker's there. But now we're, he gets Zernar to come out and Zernar's like, I'm going to kill you, Joker. So uh, we'll see how that goes. There's like, we're in control now. And seeing that page of all the Zernar Batmans is always amazing. That was great. I was so happy, especially like him doing the different styles for each one. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, Jimenez on the R is amazing. Uh, big game, one through four, Chris. Mark Miller, Pepe Larraz. Uh Yeah, it's a really cool story like you talked about. Especially you didn't read five? Like, I haven't read five yet. Five's out? Oh! Uh, I did not read five. Well, I read I went from one through four. Uh, I read so many books this week, I missed it. So I'm caught up to four. The final fight with Hit Girl and Kick-Ass. The final fight will be with Hit Girl and Kick-Ass, which I'm sure is the issue you're going to talk about. Yeah, I'll I'll jump right in. We can talk about it more next week because I really want you to read it. Okay. I just want to say I love this book. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. I don't know half the characters. (laughs) Yeah. But it feels it feels to me, it gave me the same feeling that like Secret Wars did when I first read Secret Wars. And I was like, all these characters are together. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. It's awesome. And, it's really cool if you've read a lot of Mark Miller stuff. And dude, the ending is so like it's so comic booky in the way yeah. he twists it. Yeah. And I think you'll love it. But like it's so satisfying mm-hmm. and it's so satisfying in a way that like I talked about Loki last week being satisfying. Mm-hmm. and that it came full circle after 14 years this does the same thing like it comes nice. full circle to like the beginning of the miller verse yeah and where it all started and where it that's is cool. now that's cool yeah we'll we'll go spoilers on next week because hopefully you'll read it this week yeah but yeah I'll, fuck, I'll read this, this book week. is good man i just didn't know issue five was out yet because i was like catching up on it so i read yeah, it literally came out this week <laughs> i think i read them on like tuesday i read all four issues and I'm like all right i'm caught up now yeah, that's your homework for this week, so we yeah. can go spoilers on it. Yep. So. Uh, Blade number five by Hill Casagrande. Uh, Blade gets beaten by the villain in this dimension that she's created. And he's like, oh, shit. 
she's too strong for me. So then he goes to Dracula for help, and there's this new war coming. Uh, so he's gonna actually have to team up, which is cool. So awesome. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, this Blade series has been a lot of fun. Blade series has been really good. Yeah, to see Blade like fail and then have to go ask for help is kind of comical to me. It's <laughs> especially I, from Dracula. <laughs> and I like how action packed it is. Like yeah, it's been it's yeah. been really like dude, the heist issue and the, yeah. and then the fight issue and yeah. And then this good. the way it ended like fuck yeah. Give me Dracula. Yeah, yeah so. give me, let's it's a it's a Blade book. There should be Dracula. <laughs> And the next uh, issue is called Tomb of Dracula, which is just awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I read The Outsiders number one. Did you? I did. Just because, honestly, I could give a shit about The Outsiders. But it's Same here. Lanzig and Kelly, everybody, uh, carry out the art. The art was good. It's an interesting story. Uh, the Outsiders are the Outsiders. Usually, like, the Outsiders I know always had Batman in the group. This one does not have the Batman in the group because they're called The Outsiders. So they immediately attack the definition of the name outsiders. You're outside of the normal group. There's no Batman straight from the straight from the get go. Uh, we have Batwing and Batwoman teaming up together with this new character, I believe, named Drummer. Uh, I don't really I don't really understand what her powers are. She can like talk and like listen to technology, but also like makes it like weird vibrations with her drumsticks. I think it has to do something with like vibrational frequencies. I'm not really sure, Chris. That's how I took it. Yeah. Um, I just kind of ran with it. Yeah. So they there's this thing where they disarm this multiversal machine that they find. Uh, they're working without Batman. You know, I do like Batwing suit. Um, and Batwoman's pretty cool in it. I think their interaction at, at the start was good. Um, but when they take down this thing, this drummer character has this planetary guide. And goes to this multiversal machine at the end of it. So I'll tell you right now, fucking uh, Lansing and Kelly, the way you get me to keep reading an Outsiders book is tease me with a multiversal story. And I believe that's what we're getting here, Chris. Yes. You take these characters that really aren't don't have so much weight to them. Not a lot of people are like saying, oh, these are part of continuity. And then you send them to the most interesting places in DC Comics. Let's go. That's what I think is going to happen here. Yeah, I think we took two characters who I like. I enjoy when they show up in other things. Yeah, but I right. wouldn't read them on their own. Right. And that was one of the things that I believe I said when this was announced was this is going to be a test for how good Lansing and Kelly really are. Yeah. And I think it's a test they passed because I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. this issue. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I went in and I was like, this is going to fucking suck. It's not going to be good. And I read yeah. it and I was like, you sons of bitches. We got to get him on the show. I'd love to get him on the show and talk a few issues in, you know. Uh, yeah, they're on my list for early next year to, to reach yeah. out to, but it'd be a good time to talk to them about it. It's it's definitely a, yeah, it's a good book. I, I like how all the characters are. It mm-hmm. does kind of spin out of that whole Gotham War thing, but I I didn't read it, and neither did you, I believe. I did not read it, so and I had no problem following what was going on. Like yeah. apparently, something happened where the Bat family split up. Okay, all right, moving on whatever. <laughs> I get the gist. Yeah, and. The only thing that was confusing to me that like, kind of like piqued my interest is like why Batwoman's like in the Middle East fighting, I think yeah. like U.S. soldiers or I don't yeah terrorists I don't know yeah something. I don't know what's yeah, some, going on but some, some military weird. group yeah whatever but, um, yeah it was a cool yeah it's a cool story and I, I like the the team so uh, yeah I'm in yep 
I am too. And, and trust me, Mike, I wanted to be out. I wanted to. I was like, so I don't want to be reading. I've never read an outsider's book before. I do not want to read an outsider's book, but now I'm reading an outsider's book. I so just thanks. didn't want another book. Like, yeah, that too. <laughs> I know. But yeah, they got me. So. Uh, Fantastic Four, 12 and 13. I was a book behind on that one uh, by North and Coelho. The 12 going into 13, everybody starts a new story arc of the um, the like Fantastic Four where the kids are outside of the, the Fantastic Four. So that that's still in the background. Like their kids are still gone and there's still a time when they're going to come back. Uh, this has been a really fun story. There's a dimensional rift that opens up. Uh, the uh, the thing's friend calls him and is like, hey, you know about this stuff. Fantastic Four shows up. What's going on? They get sucked into this portal and immediately start fighting a a, a dinosaur Avengers team. Uh, Phenomenal. And while they're fighting, they can't understand each other. So Reed Richards is trying to build this communication device while they're fighting. So then they can finally talk to each other and be like, guys, listen. And they're... And the and the dinosaur, I don't know all the names of the dinosaurs and who they are, but they all fit their personalities well. The Captain America dinosaur has a giant shield that like it's it's like, you know, this like the size of like three different cars. And so like the things like holding it above him and stuff when he catches it. Uh it's an amazing fight scene. We find out in the story that the Fantastic Four dinosaur versions end up on our Earth. And start fighting the actual uh, Avengers. So you have like the normal Avengers fighting Dinosaur Fantastic Four. And then Dinosaur Fantastic Four fighting the... Or or, or di- Dinosaur Avengers fighting the normal Fantastic Four. So it's like happening on both worlds. Uh, there's a bigger story where we find out that these, these universes are like overlapping each other. So it's the same Earth as ours. Except that like the meteor never hit. So dinosaurs are the, the main race and like everything is just scaled to their size but everything else is the same exact thing except it's dinosaurs um with that being said the universes are like going to converge and implode so what happens is um doom gets involved and then we find out he partners with his t-rex that's the version of doom on that earth and they they're creating this device to like make the earths come together because they want them to merge so what happens is doom they get like they get like uh uh the little seed of 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 info that's like one of them's gonna betray the other one. So they're like both like planning on betraying each other. <laughs> and uh yeah, there it is. Chris has got the Chris pulls up the image of the uh dinosaur Avengers. So you have um <laughs> you have uh Iron Man, Iron Man is a brontosaurus, uh you have Captain America as that spiky dinosaur with the fin on its back. Um a spinosaurus. <laughs> a spinosaurus. Yeah, I don't know who's a, who's a pterodactyl in the back. Uh, is that Black Widow? Yeah, Black Widow's a pterodactyl. It's amazing. It's this is this is the greatest single page I think that's ever been drawn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hands oh down. my god, it's so funny. This like even if you don't read the Fantastic Four, you could read twelve and thirteen and understand what was going on. It's such a fun two issues. Um, and by the end of it. Uh, the universes end up getting separated and they thwart doom and there might be some residual stuff happening, but it was such a fun two issues. I mean, it was this, this, and we're on 13 issues of fantastic four. It's, it's had some ups and downs, but it's been really, it's been a fun series for sure. Is, is it still Ryan North writing it? Yeah. Yeah. North and then Coelho on the art. Coelho's art. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, Wesley Dodd, Sandman number two, Venditti and Rossmo in the art. There you go. Amazing art. Rossmo's art's killing it. Uh, Sandman's trying to figure out who built, burned his house down. And then he realizes all his, his little notebook that he kept of all his different gases is gone. Uh, so it's like smoke and mirrors of like, you know, they went after that. Um, somebody uses burglar to burn his place down. And it looks like now, Chris, there's an evil Sandman on this, uh, which is fine. I'm okay with the storyline of like a light and a dark Sandman. You know, I'm okay with this. We'll see where this goes. I'm fine with it in the sense yeah. that like I finally got a Wesley Dobbs Sandman book. Yeah, that if it was if it was any other storyline, I'd be like, eh. But uh, I know this is a bit hypocritical of me from my earlier tirade, yeah. but I do wish it was something else. Right. But like it does make sense in this, like what they're doing with Sandman trying to like he, he accidentally discovers these evil gases in right. his pursuit of like the good one and somebody's using it against him, blah blah blah. I thought it was a fine issue. The last page reveal did disappoint me a bit, but we'll yeah. see. I'll, I'm gonna finish it, but yeah, it was good. It's a good book. I think the Just... interesting thing is he's having dreams of all this bad stuff happening. So, could there be potential for the other Sandman to show up, or something involving the dream world? I don't know. It's. I doubt it. I mean, or it's, it's... Just the thing. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. I don't know for sure whether he, whether Sandman, the the other one, is mm-hmm. in the glass while this is all happening. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, because cool. I think he gets caught before World War One. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not, right. I'm not an expert of that. But the other thing here is, it's really tough to use that character, like Neil Gaiman. Like this is one of the few examples where a creator actually like held on to control. Mm-hmm. And Neil Gaiman has control over that. You can't write yeah. him for shit unless Neil right. Gaiman says you can. Right, exactly. So yeah. I'd be shocked if he shows up. But I did like that sequence where he's like, you know, I thought I thought I had kept these a secret from everybody. Somebody stole them, and now they're going right. to use it against me. And he's, he's right seeing them like their faces ripping up. That was yeah, that was sequence. pretty cool. Yeah. So I, there's some good stuff in there for sure. That yeah, I think it, I'm still going to be reading it. It's a great issue. It's just the ending. Like the cliffhanger, yeah, didn't hit with me the mm-hmm. way it's probably gonna with some people. I, I kind of saw it coming too. I was like, "This is this is probably gonna be." Yeah, I figure that's what they're like halfway through the issue. I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be an evil Sam, man." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos number two, Stephanie Phillips and Magno in the art. So I'm reading it now. Yeah, really great art by Magno. Uh, Cap can talk in his and his, I, okay, Stephanie Phillips did a great job of comic book science here. Because Cap can now talk in his wolf form. And the way she explains it is, well, maybe my super soldier serum, you know. And I was like, all right, Stephanie, yeah, you got you got me there. That super soldier serum does wonders, man. It does. Oh, it yeah. does a lot of great things for comic book <laughs> uh, plot <laughs> devices. But no, I joking aside, it was a great issue. Uh, the Nazis find out that Cap turned into an, uh, a wolf. So they're like, shit, now we got to turn all our soldiers into wolves. And that's that's pretty much where it's at. It's it's a very straightforward book of yeah. Captain America is a werewolf now. Yeah. So now let's fight a bunch of Nazi werewolves. 
Yeah, I'm, that, I'm fine with that. It's great. It's it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It doesn't need to be anything more than that, Chris. It's, oh, it's it's awesome. That's what I signed up for. So I'm I'm glad. It's when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is what I wanted. Yep. And I was trying to figure out who that um the resistance fighter that shows up is, and I can't. Oh, I can't. Yeah. Um, figure out if she's like shown up before or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she has. Yeah, she was pretty cool. But, yeah. Uh, and then guy, this is my last book for the the week, Chris. Uh, Geiger Ground Zero Number One. Yep, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. So this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I believe we've gone through the origin of Geiger now before. Yeah, in the first issue of Geiger. <laughs> yeah. So getting the origin again with this like other this guy who's in a group who's a old engineer like working with these guys to meet his wife. Not a whole lot of new info, Chris, on Geiger. So. Here's what I'm if you're a Gary Frank and a Jeff Johns fan, you've already read this issue. Yep. Uh, not a lot of people out there that aren't Jeff Johns, Gary Frank fans calling it ground zero and then giving us another issue after this is very strange to me. It kind of felt like a cash grab and almost felt like they were delayed and doing all this Geiger stuff. So then they brought this as a catch up because they're like, oh, shit, it's been like a year. Nobody's going to remember anything. We remember everything. We just want more content. <laughs> this is where I'm at. So this is only a two issue series. So right. At least they're not stretching it out and trying to get me to buy four. Yeah. I feel like you're right. And the announcement for ghost machine goes alongside Uh this. We're like, they were playing the behind the scenes. They wanted something to be. And they, since Geiger was the first book in Jeff Johns's new universe. Yep. We're announcing ghost machine at New York comic con. And then a month later, we need to have a book out. why not geiger yeah it's geiger hasn't been around long enough to do this we're like if you did a cap origin story today and told it from a different angle i would accept it Mm -hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't like it because i don't want that origin story anymore but yeah it's acceptable where it's like geiger's only a few years old people (laughs) i don't need to have a new geiger origin story exactly but it's only two issues, so I'll probably buy the second issue because I'm a sucker. Yeah, me too. I'm a sucker. Because it wasn't Gary, bad. It was right. just Gary Gary Frank's art's amazing. So yeah. So yeah. But That's I just I ordered have. the Ghost Machine one shot on uh, my oh, nice. whole box app, so I am excited nice. for the future of this. Yeah, thing. I want to see where it goes. Yeah. Yep. Was that all you had? That was my comics for the week, Chris. All right, I'm gonna get my two kind of maths out of the way. Um. Star Wars Visions, Peach Minoko. Mm-hmm. This is the second Peach Minoko book I bought. This is the second Peach Minoko book I've bought that has zero dialogue. Oh. So I don't know if that's a regular thing for her. Uh-huh. But I don't think her art's good enough to be zero dialogue. Yeah, that's a that's a risky move there. So it's Star Wars Visions has become not really Star not really what if, but it's it's their like multiverse thing where it's not in continuity, but Star Wars adjacent. Yeah. And this was kind of a Star Wars with a Middle Eastern flair. Okay. And you've definitely got this like Sharia law. I hasn't said cult with those words together, but I'm going to say it's like cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then some Jedi shows up and takes care of them. Um, but yeah, it's just I. 
it wasn't great. I, some of her, some of her art falls flat. I think in the bigger um, panels and the bigger like one shots, it's really good. But in smaller moments, it seems phoned in a little bit, especially when it comes to faces and mm-hmm. and if you're gonna do something with no dialogue, like you better have the acting and faces down. Right. It's got me real worried about X, Ultimate X Men. I'll say that. Mm. <laughs> um, Unfortunate. Yeah. I'll also say to be fair, this is the second Peach Pinocchio book I bought. They're both Star Wars books, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, Zoop book that showed up, Blood Run. Oh, nice. It wasn't that great. <laughs> This is another book that tried real hard to be as little dialogue as possible and tell the story. Yeah. And it's not that it's bad, but it's just, it felt like they're trying to do twisted metal without Mm -hmm. the IP. And I mean, down to there's a driver that's a sheriff and there's a driver that's a priest. And there's a driver in a race car. And I'm like, this is twisted metal. Yeah. That's a little, it's a little on the nose. And I don't want to spoil it because it is coming out through Scout. Mm-hmm. Next month, two months from now. But the ending I thought was lame. Really? Personally. Did yeah. you did you No, I this? didn't buy it. I was not interested okay. in that. I'll tell you off air, but okay. Yeah, I just thought it was lame. Um unfortunate because I love the artist. Uh, uh it's the one who always works with Hedrick. Mm-hmm. Um so the art's f- phenomenal. Yeah, it's really great like, art. Yeah. yeah. But I just I just thought the story wasn't that great, personally. Talk about the Outsiders. Phantom Road number six came out. Oh yeah, I gotta catch. That's another book I gotta catch up on. Yeah, uh, it's there's been kind of a break in between five and six, so it's good mm-hmm. to see the book back. Uh, this one kind of brings us back, sets up the new story arc. Um, somebody else is in the Phantom universe, mm. and uh, but at the same time, like they can't get too far away from the truck. Right. So they find somebody, but they can't really chase after them because they start to like hear that sound that causes them pain and mm-hmm. they have to go back to the truck. And then the the FBI agent on the outside's like still working on the case and doing her thing. Cool. So another really good issue. And then I read the Deviant number one. Okay. Which is Tinian's new book. Yep. So I know the joke on this show is that like you know, I don't like horror mm-hmm. and the, the truth is, like, I just I'm very picky about my horror. Yep. And this is right down my alley because it's so this is the Santa horror book, mm-hmm. if you remember. Yeah. And the whole idea is that there was in the 70s, there was a serial killer who would go around doing unspeakable things to people, mm-hmm. some of them children, and then killing them and then mutilating them and doing it dressed as Santa. Yeah. That person was arrested, put in jail, and now this writer has gone to see him in jail and kind of tell his story. And as we get the back and forth between them, somebody in modern day has either someone's picked up the mantle or it never was this guy. I mean, they kind of they don't tell you for sure in the first right. issue. Right. But we find out that somebody's out there dressed as Santa, ready to do the axe again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very, it's got a thriller edge to it. There's some horror moments where like you see people mutilated mm-hmm. with things cut off and things happen to them. Gross. Yeah, I don't want to get into detail because it is very disturbing and gross. 
but it's not as in your face as like a crossed book. It's funny because I, I like crossed and I was going to like say I don't like in like so I like the first Saw movie, but like as Saw went on, it got worse. It, yeah. it got like pornographic in the way it like treated violence. Yeah. And I guess Cross does that too. I, oh, I, don't for know. Sure. I give it a yeah. pass. Right. <laughs> I don't, what I don't is, know why. I mean, Cross is a completely different tone though. Like that works with the Cross book, but like. Yeah, I think Cross is, is trying to be in your face in a way. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. I don't like when it gets when horror gets to that pornographic level where it's like yeah. I'm trying to almost titillate you with violence. Right. I like this because you know something ha- they tell you like, hey, this he did this unspeakable act to his victims, including ch- children, and that's like telling you like you're supposed to hate this person for that reason. Right. And then you see the aftermath where they're strung up, and then you move away from it. Yeah. I kind of like that. I don't have to see him do the act. I can right. just see the aftermath and move on. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, but those are really great first issues. I'm getting cool. to <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to continue reading it. Yeah. Plus it's like new R. So that's your kind of thing. Investigating what's going on. Right. Or more of interview. interview Not really. Guy. It's an interview thing. Yeah, so okay. it's, um, and what's cool about it. It almost makes me think that Tinian actually went and interviewed somebody. Mm-hmm. And like base this book on somebody because the the character the main character is a so the main character is a, a gay man who is a writer mm-hmm. and he's a comic book writer. Okay, so he's going to make a comic book about this guy, and I think based on the conversations Tinian made, I don't know if Tinian's gay or not. He, I'm not going to speculate, but I think the character is made gay for a reason. And okay. that is that the guy in jail is also got some, well, I don't want to say he's gay, but he has sexual things. And he mm-hmm. uses like things like words like queen and yep. not for yep. that I'm not going to repeat. Right. And like he uses them towards the character right. to kind of hint that like, yeah, I also am attracted to the same sex, but okay. his is more of a, yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's yep. children involved in that. <laughs> So there's there's gonna be an interesting dynamic there, I think, mm-hmm. between those two in particular throughout the series. But yeah, I really I really like that book. Yeah, he's he's done a great job with horror books for sure. Yeah, and I haven't read enough of them, so it makes me want to go back and read some of them and see how he's done because this one mm-hmm. was very thought provoking and just hit me in all the right places. Nice. Star Wars Dark Droids number four. Um. So second to last issue in this event, what I really liked about this is the the hive mind droid. He ends up creating this council of droids for himself. And they're all, it's kind of like your typical council. Like one's the elder and one's this and one's that. Mm-hmm. And they're all meant to separate his memory banks because he's gotten so much info brought into his database from all the droids and now cyborgs that he's taken over. Mm-hmm. that he's going insane having it all in his brain at one time interesting so now he's got all these different droids where like one deals with military operations and one you know so on and so forth so that was a cool like dynamic and then we get kind of why he's so obsessed with making the jump from robots to organic beings mm-hmm 
because every time he's done this in the past, uh, as soon as he's captured, it's because he can't make that jump. And so the organics end up taking him over and putting him somewhere. Mm. And um, for those that don't know, he was stuck in this, for, I think it was the Fermata cage from the last Star Wars event that they thought a secret Sith was lying in. And when they opened it, they're like, nothing happened. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, what was it? And it ended up being this like this thing. And that's what created this. Um, and in that, we also get that that like that planet of droids that was like very like it was almost like Catholic droids. You remember the droids from Futurama that were like uh religious the religious droids? Yeah, that, mm-hmm. but like okay. taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And after they did their attack in the last issue, the one's kind of given up and he's, he's like the high priestess of them. And he's just like, I don't know if I can do anything anymore. And that's when like R2D2 and crew show up from mm-hmm. the D squad and are like, we can help you. So now they're going to jump in. Nice. It's yeah, it's a cool book. I really enjoy it. Cool. Scrapper number five came out and it's another fun book. Scrapper finds his mom. He saves the day. And now he's got to fight the big giant corporation. In the next issue. Nice. Um, really enjoy that. Daredevil number three. I absolutely love this issue because we're kind of getting into the heart of now that Matt is Father Matt and he's running this uh, this orphanage and trying to be Daredevil. Like he's got that back and forth of I'm out being Daredevil, but like that's hurting my work at the orphanage. And while that's happening, everybody's saying these terrible things about the orphanage. And if anyone remembers from the first issue, he fought a demon that took over Electra and brought him back. And it seems to me that throughout at least the first part of this series, the idea is to that he's going to fight demons that represent the different sins. Oh, that's cool. And now this next one's going to be one for... Uh, I think it was pride was mm-hmm. what I came down to yep. because he's taking over this uh, Ben Urich who everybody knows in Marvel is like the reporter. He's the, right. the, the Clark yeah. Kent. Yep. And um, this guy is like turn the daily or daily bugle. No, I forget what publication he owns now, but he owns one of the publications. He's basically changing it into like a sensationalized internet thing. Where like they're no longer journalists, they're just trying to get clicks and clickbaiting, mm. and that's where this is coming from. Like everybody's taking their source from this place to be like that orphanage is doing these things, mm-hmm. and Daredevil's having a hard time because Ben's a friend and all this stuff. And so yeah, there's a lot of cool things happening. I think the these first three issues have been really good, but I'm a little biased. I love Daredevil, and yeah. then we get at the end, Mike Bullseye is behind uh, one of the crews in town. So he's coming back. And I always love when Bullseye shows up. So Nice. Yeah. I know Bullseye is like Daredevil's Joker, but it's not as overdone, so it's fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's everything I read, Mike. So where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? They can find me at Fortress Chris on pretty much all social media. And if you uh, want to follow the show, you can go to fortresscompanies.com or go to Twitter and go to fortresscomics underscore. 
And uh, if you want to support the show, you can do the five stars in the podcatcher. You can go on YouTube, like, subscribe, share, comment down below, or you can go to patreon.com slash fortune comics. So everybody, thank you so much for watching and or listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. 